now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering something Star Wars. In this episode, the repercussions of the Aldani heist reach all the way to Coruscant while Cassian returns home. They will be... Inspire! We must stop these rebels! Look out! It's a Zularin, and he is back to tell you all the news! We're talking about Andor Episode 7 announcements this week. How are you doing, Chris? I'm Hope, by the way. Hi, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi! I'm doing good since since the last two days, since we last recorded an episode. But yeah. yeah. I'll return to the Jedi episode. Yeah, that was a fun like little break to throw in there because because we love Andor. Andor is Andor is very heavy. It's nice to have little breathers, you know, when you're talking about stop and frisk in the middle of the Star Wars. <laughs> it's nice to talk about Ewoks. <laughs> I'm doing good. I am counting down the days till Tears to the Ki- Tears of the Kingdom, the new Zelda game, is out on Friday. And once it comes out, I'm going to be useless for like four fucking days. Don't call me. <laughs> no one talk to me. I'm going to be playing my Zelda game. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, I hear my cat screaming. I'm going to be putting my, when I'm at garage sale and besides the Impala for, I got a couple, uh, I got a Wii version of Mario Kart and uh, um, GameCube version of Luigi's Mansion. So... And, uh, Gotta put before, those up on eBay now that it's super Mario time too. So before we started recording, uh Chris was showing me the Impala fur and I stopped and I went, When you hold it up, like I was like, Don't make it a puppet, don't make the head a puppet. And then I stopped and I was like, It looks like Jar Jar Binks. And Chris goes, Misa back from the dead. Yeah. It it it, 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 it does creepily look like Jar Jar. Where'd she go? The cat wants in. The cat wants out. The cat wants in. What? Cat wants in. The cat wants out. We just let her out, and then we hit the record button. Now she's back yelling at. What she really wants is me to sit on the bed with her. Yeah. And that's not happening because I'm not on the bed. <laughs> I'm at my desk. She is currently sitting on my bit desk. She's sitting on my bed, screaming and looking at me. So, yeah, that's right. We're going to ignore you. Yeah, lay down and go to sleep, old lady. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what her. cats do is what you tell them. Yep, yep. So we are counting down the days to Tears of the Kingdom. Um, oh, no, we were talking about dead Jar Jar for... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it does though, like when you put it on your hand, like a little puppet, it looked like like Jar Jar, and it looked really not, especially when you, Chris stuck like his fingers up through the mouth, and it looks like Jar Jar's tongue, like from that that lollipop from the nineties. Yes, that's what it looked like. Uh, gross. So, <laughs> <sighs> so 
I feel like I'm like. Has I... any suggestions of what I do with the Impala head? You know, send them my mm-hmm. way. I'm uh, taking them. I won't necessarily do it, but I'd be. Yeah, I I don't know what to curious. do with like a dead animal fur. <laughs> yeah, I know. Other than just well, it's not like taxidermied it. where you can hang it on your wall as much, you know. Yeah, the only time I ever see like taxidermy animals is like when I go to Airbnbs in the mountains and they have like. Actually, for for my best friend Megan, when we were having her bachelorette party, we went to this one Airbnb. And it had something like 20 animals all throughout this cabin. And this cabin only had like three rooms and one big room, like where, with the kitchen and the living room. It actually 20 small had it was more it had more like like 12 animals for like three small bedrooms and one big open space. And they were everywhere. So for for the bachelor party, we decorated all the animals. Oh, of course, you got to put glasses on, sunglasses yeah, little on. Hats. We yeah, put like sure. a little tutu on what looked, I think it was um, like a badger. We put a little tutu Ooh. on it. So that's Ooh. how you do when you get stuck in a creepy house full of dead animals. It's the only way you're going to get a tutu on a badger anyway. That's true, because <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the thing, honey? Badger, don't give a fuck. D-G-A-F. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know that was like what, like twelve years ago that came out or something like that. Something like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Yeah, I'm a little short on mental spoons, so you guys know it's gonna be a fun episode when I'm tired. <laughs> I uh, I had a bit of a personal week, and Chris knows all about my personal week. And let's just say that your girl's doing the best she can. <laughs> sounded like a lot of fun to be honest with you hope <laughs> oh i love suddenly driving <laughs> to a different state immediately like for on, on a whim and back love that love driving to like to different states yeah. love love it it's an interstate it was an interstate incident so that's all uh, i'm gonna get I will say I got a very nice compliment from my boss today, and that did make up a lot of it because I needed to hear it, and it was very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, be patient with me. My brain's mush. Anyway, Andor, oh, fuck, I forgot a other question. <laughs> <laughs> ha, 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 Yoda, I am not taking care of you. Oh, again they forget about Yoda. Yoda, you should take care of me for once. I've taken care of you for 371 episodes. Hmm, person like you has no questions for Yoda? Hmm, seems doubtful. Actually, I got a question. Okay. Ah! Okay, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Yes, yes. Well, we gotta get to it. We gotta get to the other stuff first. So, you ready, Chris? By the way, what did you think of this episode, Chris? I just I just shut the door on Yoda. <laughs> I love this episode, actually. This might be the best transitional episode I've ever seen. Because usually transitional episodes are like, oh, you just you you have to have them to move the story along, but they're usually just like pieces are moving. Two no. or three pieces are moving. Two or three things get stuck in there awkwardly because they don't belong anywhere else, and but you got to get them in, and blah blah blah. Not this one. No, no, this one like com- 
it, it contains like little little i don't want to say codes or whatever little keys that are gonna un like unlock every part of the rest of the show like all the ideas of the sh of the show start to like branch off in this mm. and it's pretty amazing it all gels into this episode and then goes out <laughs> in, I, in like the craziest way it's it's the best like transitional episode i've ever seen i i i I, like I remember, I remember really liking this episode, and the first time through, and realizing it was a transitional episode. Like as I watched it, and I was like, okay. And it, it seems like one of those episodes. It's like oh, I didn't appreciate it the first time, but I really liked it the first time. The second time, it's even better because you know what comes after it, and it's yeah. like every. Every shot, everything is just a beautiful little piece of a puzzle in this episode. This is like my third or fourth time seeing this episode, and it just gets more solid every time I watch it. Like, there's just, like, little things. Like, I, I jot it down, like, uh, one or two lines that I had missed on my first two to three times watching, and I'm just like, yeah. Like, um, so. All right, you ready to get into it? I'm already. Let me take a sip of my drink. Mm. I can feel my cheese. It's in the back of my throat. Uh. Here we go. Andor episode seven announcement was uh, aired. Aired. Let's try that again. Andor episode seven announcement aired on October 19, 2022. It was written by Steven Schiff and directed by Benjamin Karen. Some extra information for you. Colonel Yularen, as in Inspire, like that Yularen uh, from Clone Wars and Rebels, our beautiful, wonderful Yularen, is played by Malcolm Sinclair from the James Bond Casino Roy Royale movie and V for Vendetta. Flob, which is the best name, who is, uh, who is uh, Cyril Karn's boss. His boss is named Flob. That's such a good. I love it. Anyway, slob, slob. The slob. Ha ha ha. He's standing right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> anyway, uh, Flob is played by Alex Burke from The Crown and Chernobyl. Wendy, who is the lady, lovely, lovely lady that Cassian Bodoinks, is played by Katrina Nair from Doom Annihilation and Deep Cuts. The Judge is played by B.D. Edney from uh, Poldark and the Cor uh, Coroner. The prosecutor is played by Glenn Pritchard. Uh, sorry, sorry, Glenn Pritchard from Inera Lucy and Thirty One. Oh, I forgot how to look up how to spell this. Uh, it's like it's it's like Welsh. Uh, dear dear Renaud, I'm sorry, I tried. Um, and the Shore Trooper was voiced by longtime Lucasfilm voice actor Sam Witwer, which I missed the first time around, and I was just like, oh, it is Sam. And finally, there was some confusion when Andor, when the Andor trailer came out, because during the flashback, there are clone troopers shown, but there are also Imperial officers there. StarWars.com clarified that the flashback takes place during the first year of the Empire, when they are still transitioning from clone troopers to stormtroopers, and that hasn't happened yet, because, you know, season one of The Bad Batch is going through that right now and stuff like that, so... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Chris. I, I got uh, I got two questions for you, Yoda. You get to choose, pick your poison. 
Okay. Would you like question number one or question number two? Oh, you're, you're going blind. You don't really use the force. Question number two. What should we do with Impala skins? Oh, many things that we can do with Impala skins, some of which Yoda will not talk about on this show. Mm, uh, mm, besides, always oh, oh, traditional kids play Jar Jar with them as Jar Jar puppets. Yes. Silky rug for pet in front of fire, not big enough for person. I just realized your ears can go up into little taxidermy ears, and then, like, you could wear it, like, as a Halloween costume. Yes, Yoda looks like a barbarian, or, like, Jar Jar. Hmm. Short Jar Jar, just Jar Jar's neck walking around. Someone's gonna, like, Google an Impala and just be like, how do you make a Jar Jar out of this? Because they're actually cute little deer. (laughs) They're little deer, but take away bones and meat. Jar Jar, yay! Fun, fun. Yes, Yoda predicts there'll be hot new toy one day. All the kids will have Impala skin. <laughs> the hot new toy, a dead animal. <laughs> mm, yes. Anyway. Wear them the like boots, question? they will. You want the second question? Yes, question number one. What's that smell on your foot? Mm, not Impala. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Yoda's had had to had to get tough and put Yoda's foot up someone's butt. Yes, oh. that's what it was. Yes, Yoda was was bouncing at a bar. Oh, if you were at a bar, it could be a lot of things that you stepped on. All right, Yoda, we love you. We'll see you later. I'm, I can't, I thought of those on the fly. One was a dumb question, one was a good question. You guys figure out which one is which. (laughs) You guys decide for yourself. (laughs) Anyway, you ready to get to Find it out on the Discord. I love our Discord. I love all of you in our Discord. Hey, you should join yeah. our Discord. If you're not Char- in our Discord. Charles finally discovered our, our poppers discussion. I, <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. He's like laughing and saying he spit out his coffee. And I'm like, I don't remember what we were talking about two weeks ago. That's the thing. I was like, guys, I don't listen to the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> You think it I remember? It slides out of my I... mouth and then it just flies away into the ether. Listen, I don't fucking remember what I did this morning. You think I remember what I did two weeks ago? <laughs> I'm holding my notes in my hand because if I put them down, I'm not going to know where they are. Right, right. I know. I have to like figure this shit out. I have um, my name written on the palm of my left hand and my address written on the palm of my right hand. And I'm looking at my left hand when I talk about my right hand and my right hand when I look about talk about my left hand. I, uh, yeah, no, it's great. We love you guys. Hey, if you want to join our Discord, uh, check the show notes and there's a link there. Or you can just ask me and Chris and we'll send you a link and you can come hang out with us on our uh, Teacher Freaks Discord, which we have one of the more popular ones, if we can gloat. Yes, I got to tell everybody that they need to just like leave a link in their in their show notes and forget about it and just let it show up there every week. 
Yeah. And like what's what's fun because I just did the uh for light and dice discord and some of our two true freaks listeners have come over, like Gene and McKins and stuff. And I'm like learning things and it's nice. Gene's Jean, like, not gonna miss anything, Hope. Nothing. No, no, Gene's already like like five chats deep into like a Lord of the Rings discussion with I think Emily from I had, Dark Side Discord. Heavy- I had to put heavy curtains up because Gene keeps looking in my wit peeping in my window, and I don't know how the hell he does it. I'm on the second uh, floor. Well, he's doing it. What? However, he's doing it. He's doing it like five point two point five speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I look anyway. at him, he's moving real super slow. Hmm. Anyway, Act One. I'm ready for it. We up with some Reese's Puffs. Eat them up, eat them up, eat them up, eat them up. Because it's uh, time. It's sad cereal corn time, everybody. Uh, act one. Uh, it didn't feel right because I didn't say the act one. I had to go back and say it. It just, I didn't feel right. Anyways, cereal is all sad because his mom is just like, oh my God, it's your job interview. Why are you wearing that suit? That suit's like really bad on you. It doesn't fit your complexion. Why is your collar so high? Why are you trying so hard? You tailor your suit. Who tailors their suits? Only like weirdos like you tailor their suits. Is this why I don't have grandchildren? Do you, why do you not have grandchildren? Why am I like, why are you single? Like, don't you want a nice girl or do you? nice boy or a nice person you know we don't we don't we stay in all genders in this fascist household it's fine don't you want to and like sarah's like oh my god (laughs) the tv is on look mother what are they talking about on the tv um and sarah walks over and they're talking about the aldani heist and sarah's lady justice senses start tingling because he's like i have a feeling that i need to know about this and meanwhile like his mom is still just talking in the background about everything about wrong with him. It's fine. And this is why Cyril is a crazy person. Anyway, at the ISB, your Lauren is here. And he's like, hello, everyone. I am your Lauren. I've realized I haven't done a you Lauren voice since the first episode of the Bad Batch. That's the last time we had Tom Kane. And I haven't done a you Lauren voice since then. <laughs> that was a, that's been a hot minute. That was last year. Them. <clears throat> it's you, Lauren, and he's like, I am here to inspire you to aspire to capture the rebels. We are here to crush these individual people who are coming, and we're dropping a shit ton of new laws called the BORD. And this is going to give all of us ISB people a lot of free reigns. And Palpatine was all like, Yes, go fight the rebels, it's fine. Now leave me alone, you Lauren. You're so loud. You're scaring my flamingos in my bubble bath. Don't ask why I have flamingos in my bubble bath. And you Lauren was like, it was a very productive conversation. And now this is why Agent Callus gets to do all the cool stuff in Star Wars Rebels. Wow, I got lightheaded doing that voice. Anyway, <laughs> so you learn's here, and they're like, yeah, there's this big bad new law. It's called the P.O.R.D., and everything's all fucking shit. Anyway, it's also one thing he notes in his, like, little long evil speech that he does, and it's important to note this because it sets up the next story arc. Prison sentences are being reevaluated. So put a pen in that for the end of this episode and going into next week. Anyway, after their ISB meeting, Dedra is in her office with her secret, probably boyfriend shirt, 
and they're discussing the P.O.R.D. because uh, she's not really happy with it. And he's like, why are you not happy with it? We have like all the power in the world now. And she's like, I know. It's it's this attack on Aldani. This is actually helping the rebels. P.O.R.D. helps the rebels because Aldani was, wait for it, an announcement. It's the episode title. Uh, it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, where are we? Uh, so, uh, and then later in the episode, she just has this one random scene. So I just went ahead and threw it in here. She goes to uh, go put in her evil doer checklist of things that she's looking for that has been stolen across star systems, and she's using the P.O.R.D. to do it because now she has the ability to do so, and she's going after Ferrix. Meanwhile. Mon Mothma is looking fine and she drives up to Luthen's shop and she kicks in the door with a big old smile on her face and she's like, hi Luthen, I really need to return this present to you right now. Do you want to talk right now? My driver's going to wait outside and he's just like, oh Mon, how are you? Come on in with my big smile on my face. And she walks over and she's like, did you fucking do Aldani, you son of a bitch? I'll cut you. And he's like, oh, mine? Of course I did, Aldani. <laughs> you just... I'll keep smiling, Mon Mothma. It's fine. She's like, do you know how many people are gonna fucking die? <laughs> I'm smiling. So many people are gonna die, Luthen. Why would you do this? And he's like, always oh, look at this weapon right here. Don't you want to use it? Uh, it's gonna be great. There are no rules going forward, Mon Mothma. And yeah, we're gonna have to take some of this shit into our own hands. She's like, okay, I'm not buying anything. Come on, Glorus, the ISB agent who drives me. And she's pissed and she leaves. And Luthen's like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. This is the day, isn't it? And Clayout's like, yeah, what's the day? I'll go talk to Val for you. And he's like, thanks. Anyway, uh, Cyril has a job interview without his mommy, so that's already an improvement. And he gets the job because he wants to like clear his name. And Flor, Flop, Flor, what did I say his name was? Flob is just like you. Looks like you'll fit in great because you have a brown suit. And he's like, thank you. And Cyril starts his new job in Coruscant. And finally, Clea, after the Mon Mothma incident, goes and meets up with Vel. And she's wearing the, the best suit. I love Clea's suit. Anyway. And Vel's just like, Hi, Clea. I thought Luthen was coming. And she's like, I shouldn't even be here. Why did you call me? And putting us all in danger. She's like, because, you know, I want to make sure my girlfriend's okay. And Clea's like, well, Scent is doing what she's supposed to do. So shut up. Anyway, oh, actually, I'm glad you're here. While you're here, Vel, just go find Cassie and Andor and kill him, please, and thank you. And she walks off, and Vel's just like, bitch. <laughs> As if Rick would. How'd you think of it? I liked it. I like it, too. Hey. In big letters, I wrote, freaking you, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, you, Lauren, you know, he's a nice little Easter egg for, you know, us Clone Wars fans. Yeah. But like at Rebels the same fans. time, he's it's more than like look it's the guy we get to go like wow he's really uh he really fits in really good he comes in and starts fashioning it up you know mm-hmm. he's just like it's just like he seemed like he seems so cool in the clone wars but he was 
<coughs> and and even then, like in Rebels, he's he's kind of fatherly. He's just like, oh, Callus, I trained you. You were my best student. Hello, Thrawn. Let me help you find a spy. He, he, he probably and, he probably had a lot of like question. Like he probably wanted to do a lot of like questionable things back, you know, when he during the Clone Wars days, but since that wasn't the policy at the time he kept it to himself and then as the fascists came in he was like yeah i kind of like this now i can do what i thought would be effective which is just crack down on everybody you know see that that is actually one of my notes i want the story you learn story from clone wars to rebels or, or at least through this time period because he's friends with the Jedi. He likes yeah. working with Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. He respects the clones. He sees them as really good soldiers. And, like, he is, like, a really chill, nice dude. And then you get to him... In the, in the Thrawn novel, he's kind of a soft boy, too. Like, but he's also buddying up the Thrawn, and they're just, like, being pals, doing, like, doing, like, solving crimes together. So it's not, like, really anything, like, serious. Because, um, you know, they're just doing their jobs. But, like, here he comes in and he's just like, no, here's how we're going to, like, implement fascism. And yeah. it's scary. And, like, these don't add up. But I also, they kind of do. And, like, there's, like, a little chunk of, like, Yalaran real estate missing between Clone Wars and here. And I want to know what that chunk is because of what made that happen. And I really want a Yalaran story. Really and, bad. And, like... In like in this episode, in in this, I believe it's like right after Yularen leaves, and the the other guy from Game of Thrones starts talking. And he's just like, "I was just hanging out with Palpy the other day, and he said, there's two Palpy.' No, that was Yularen. He was like, "I personally called the Emperor last night, and I was like, look at you talking yeah, yeah. to the Emperor, dude.' But the Emperor gets mentioned twice in this episode. I love it." Uh, which is about, I mean, the Emperor should be getting uh, mentioned regular, regularly, but he gets mentioned in a more mundane way, in a more just like, you know, he's the president, you know, or the, the dictator or whatever. But like, it's, 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 it's not at all in the context of him, you know, I mean, Palpatine for us has been in the context of Sith because it's been Jedi versus Palpatine. And this is the purely political view of Palpatine is just this, this, you know, just a power hungry goon, which he is, but yeah, just not and, a, not a and, Sith. And here it's like, it's so chill. It's just like, yeah, not he might as well just said, I called the city mayor. Not just yeah. the emperor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I love it. I love it. Um, is this, I think this might be the first actual live action Imperial news broadcast we've seen since the holiday special. Live action, yes. Animation, no. No, yes. There's definitely been an animation, but live because action. There's all those whole bits of like season one and Rebels where they have it like on like the, the Steve Bloom guy. And he's just like, hello, I'm Steve Bloom, but evil. <laughs> Here's the news. And he's and 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 the dress and the format is very similar. You know, a guy standing there talking is very similar to the the holiday special. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I, they, I yeah, it looks if they meant 70s. to do that. Um, my only other notes are I love 
I love Cyril's mom when he's just like, so why? What do you think? And she's just like, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you're a sad, sad little man, Cyril. Sad, no sad little man. And you're you're struggling not to be so sad, but it makes you look sadder. It's it was just it's just beautiful. <laughs> Only the thing a domin only the kind of dialogue a, a domineering mom could do. And, and she has she has a great voice for it too. Like she has a very like old lady in lot from Long Island voice. It's 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 awesome. Um, she she reminds me of the wife from um oh oh god uh, all in the family. Oh Edith 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 but mean. Cause like, yeah. like Edith kind of that like that Archie, that you gotta clean the thing, That's, Archie. Uh, Why is the bar bar bar? But like mean. And, and wow, I pulled out an old reference. Yay! Timely, timely for me. Um, <laughs> I like how I I I like how um, why am I blanking on his name? Antique dealer. Oh, Luthen. Luthen. Luthen gets to gets to. He's been like the speech he's gonna give in a few episodes from now. He's been he's been waiting to give that speech and and tested it and rewriting it in his head, and he gets to give Mon Mothma a couple lines of it mm -hmm. in this. Just just a little, just a little tasty taste, and it's it's great. And I'm like, oh, he's got that speech just brewing brewing in him, and uh, and it's funny because like. There's there's the the there's a sort of scene where it's it's sort of like a, uh, two dick measuring contests. The first ones where Luthen's like, "Look, Mon Mothma, you know what? You're not tough enough. I told you it was gonna get tough. What? You don't got it for the grit for it." And then Mon Mothma gets to do that to her childhood friend <laughs> later on in the book. Goes, "I don't know if you're tough enough for the stuff I'm into." <laughs> <laughs> We're hardcore here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my only other note is I like like the scene where they meet and they're like, okay, Cassian's got to die. I remember seeing a special effects thing on that where that's like a mall area in 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 Britain mm -hmm. that they they just filmed and then tweaked up with some CG and stuff, and it looks great. It ends up so like the ground. Is sidewalk that has been used for you know eighty years. You know, it's mm. it's something. It's it, when that's one thing like you notice on like film sets a lot of times the floors are too nice. You know, they mm -hmm. you you rarely have that like ground ground. You know this the grounded in real life stuff. I'll get more into that in the in the next next part. But yeah, that's all I got for part one. All right. Um, as for me, uh, I, I just had to throw this out here because Edith, uh, Cyril's mom was just like, Uncle Harlow's influence is not a thing to be trifled with. And again, I think Uncle Harlow is a mob boss. <laughs> I won't unsee it. Anyway. Uh, so to get into you, Lauren. His little speech is the empire in a nutshell. That's how you empire right there. Yeah. Um, but what's 
and just a few little things like he has that line about like how it's not a like all we have to do is ask the question of how hard we close our fist he has a line like that I like that line because it's a very nice parallel with Leia's line in A New Hope where she tells Tarkin the tighter you close your fist the more people will slip through it yeah so it's a nice little rhyming stars right there um and Dedra's right because she's just sitting there going, like, listing off everything in her head of just, like, these are all the things that's going to make people rebel against us. None of this is helpful. And it's all just, like, horrific things. Like, like, like the cultural things. Like, people well, can't have cultural fairs anymore because they might hide rebels. I, I, think de- I think we're seeing a phase of the, the early phase of the Empire where there's a lot of sort of, where you have, Yularen is fashioned up. But you're gonna have a like there right now. They have a problem with nobody. Everybody's like a fucking pencil pushing rule nerd, you know, and and because like because it goes all the way up. So if you start questioning, if you start questioning something, even if you see something that's going wrong, you're gonna get screwed up because uh like. And so I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of restructuring and people getting booted out and stuff in like we're, we're and, and, and the old, the old guy from game, game of Thrones, he's a very, he's, he's, he's smart enough to look at it and, and go like, we need more ghouls like Dedra <laughs> instead yeah. of just like this guy. Cause, cause you know, or at least in certain positions, because she's into it, you know. Mm. She's not like just like okay, this fascist thing is going on. If I get up high in the organization, I can have a good life, you know. Or I can live without getting hassled and. She, she's not it. in there to be like the other people who are she just wants to like make, she wants to make this shit work. Yeah, <laughs> you know? not like just the other people who are just like oh. She cares about her job. Yeah, she takes pride in her job. She cares about her job and she believes in her job. And she she and, cares about her job while other people care about themselves. Yeah, so much so that that she like was like able to like stand up for herself and disagree to the face of her direct superior who everybody was kissing up to in the face of another guy trying to subvert her and get her in trouble. Oh, I have thoughts on that. She counters by negging her superior and going, this guy, this guy's a chump. And she, uh, she throws her superior under the bus. I will be there when we get to that scene. What was it? What was it? Office space, the movie office space when they have that, when they send the guys, from corporate to like you know assess the office and the one guy is like i think he's just like getting ready to quit i can't it's been so long since i saw that movie but he's getting ready to quit so he's just sitting there going like oh yeah this place is ridiculous the boss is an idiot and blah 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 and they're just like hey this guy's uh this guy's uh got his shit together (laughs) and and yeah she's yeah the that that scene is that scene is wonderful, and then he and then he's just like Dedra, walk with me, just to you know give everybody give everybody else in the room a fuck you, and you know, and and change the way they're gonna act. You know that just him doing that stuff was like psychologically works on the rest of the drones to where they're like, oh okay. 
If this was Star Wars The Office, it would be awkward scenes where the other ones try to neg him and it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> they get demoted. <laughs> I'm I'm sort of avoiding the scene at the moment because that's my big note of Act 3, everything. So I'm sort of holding back on that one, but I don't disagree with you. So, yeah. um, so the other thing I wanted to point about, out about like the PORG stuff um, is, well, A, like, Every little single thing is setting up the prison arc. Like every single thing that you learn says is setting up the, the end of the show. But also, I want to note this because the PORD stuff is possibly where Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, is kicking off in the timeline. And we'll get more into that in the feedback because we had some really good feedback about the Rebels timeline and PORD. So I'm just noting it here. Um, but we're see- we also see the effects of PR- PORD in Rebels because, like, you start season one of Rebels and Callus has a shit ton of free reign. And he's an ISB agent. Like, he has whole Star Destroyers. And he's like, these are mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's bossing uh, Constantine, first of his name, uh, around and, like, making Inquisitors kind of listen to him, too, and, like, working directly with them. Like, he has a shit ton of power. And it's probably because of PORD. Like more than likely, so um, so we'll get more than that in feedback. We have some really good feedback about that. Um, and the last little note I have about this scene is rewatching these, uh, knowing that that um, Lonnie, the redheaded ginger ISBA agent, knowing that he's a spy. God, there's that. Like now that I know that he is, they lay down the foreshadowing for him. Like they linger long shots on his face, just a little bit, like like a like a second longer than everybody else. Well, they like, get a, they get away with it when you don't know who he is because he's getting sweated on for like screwing up, and he's got that. He's got a great sweaty, nervous face. <laughs> you know, he's one mm-hmm. of those actors that's meant to be pl- played play sweaty and ner- resting sweaty nervous face so like the first time you see it you're just like oh they got this actor he looks good he's he makes a really good shot of him going as he gets yelled at but nope the second time through it's just like oh okay <laughs> yeah and it's like little things like there's like we're when it's the scene where Yularen is walking behind, like he's just walking around the table and walking behind everybody. And so the camera's just panning down all their faces, but it starts with Lonnie and it lingers on Lonnie for like an extra second or two. And then it passes over everybody else, but it sits on Lonnie. Um, and it's just like little things like that. Like now that I know to look for him, it's so much more apparent. So it's just really cool what they do with that. Um, uh, right before Mon Mothma arrives, Luthen is listening to the radio, and the transmission radio guy says that the Aldani residents were taken into custody for terrorism, and you know that those poor souls who were just there to see the eye all got arrested. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. So, I, I love the Luthen and Mon scene. I... And, the, and it's just the little things, like, when they face the window, they're smiling, and then when they're back to the window, they are bitching at yeah. each other. <laughs> it's just the best kind of spy espionage of just, like, the little things. Like, I love how, Lu- like, like Luthen can turn just like, ah, 
and he picks up the weapon. He's just like lowering, like "fuck you, man." Um, it's such good acting on both of their parts. Um, and I, I really, I, I do think it is a bit of a kick in the pants of like Mon's idealism finally getting shattered. She's just like, "Oh, we are in war." Holy shit. Because I think she's been trying to do this the politician way, and he's been trying to tell her, like, no. And finally... To fuck with that, yeah. Yeah, to fuck with that. And when he says there are no more rules, she rolls with that. She's like, fine, if you're gonna go behind my back and do an entire fucking heist on Aldani, I'm gonna go behind your back and talk to my dude, even though you know about that. Because he was just like, when's your meeting? <laughs> so, um, so, I just... The entire scene is just so well done. Though, I did have... I did wonder something. I wonder who approached who first. Did Mon approach Luthen or did Luthen approach Mon? I would think it would be more Luthen. I think Luthen approached Mon, too, because she seems more blindsided by all of his actions, and he said um, what were his words and that there's no turning back. Like, he... The way he just phrased everything... It sounds like he approached her first for funding. Right. And then when her funding dried up. So. Um, so back on my bullshit about how I think Clea is the real axis. <laughs> um, I will say on one hand, if she wasn't actually axis, it makes sense that she would be the one to go meet Val instead of Luthen. But if she was the real axis... Having everybody think, having Vel think that Luthen is the Axis helps hide Clea because she's going out there himself to kind of sell this lie <laughs> that Luthen is the Axis. Um, but I also kind of like her being sort of over this whole Mon Mothma thing and kind of pulling a Thanos fine, I'll do it myself kind of vibe. Well, uh, I, she might also not have trusted Luthen to like... You, you know, she might have been like, I want to make sure that this this happens because Luthen seems cut. He's very he likes he likes Cassian. You know, he's exactly he, that's my note. He has a soft. She knows that yeah. Luthen has a soft spot for Cassian. So and and I'm trying to remember because I don't I haven't seen I'm still doing my rewatch with my stepmom. So it's I haven't seen the last few episodes. I'm trying to remember outside of Luthen telling Vel right at the beginning of the Aldani arc. Does Luthen ever tell anybody to get rid of Cassian? I don't think he does. I think it's Clea who's the one who's just like, we need to get rid yeah. of them. And and so, but I, but again, like say that with a grain of salt because I don't remember the last like three episodes. Um, but yeah. And I was gonna do. And just, you know, she she even recruited some of the Aldani people herself. So I, I don't know. I, I think Clea has a lot more power than we know, and I think she's purposely puppeting Luthen in a way that we're not really fully aware of yet. So, or he's building her up to be take over and kiss in the apples. I don't know. I, I just find Clea a very interesting character. She's fascinating, and we know so little about her, but she's in the middle of everything, <laughs> like an axis. The most shallowest of note, I love her outfit in that scene with Belle. I want her hood. I love that textured hood that she's wearing. Love that jacket. I want it so bad. Give it to me. Um, 
And the last note I have is about Vel. The more I watch the show, the more fascinating Vel becomes of, uh, of a character to me. I, I like Vel's character more and more the more I watch her. Um, and one of the things that's kind of been sticking out to me in these rewatches is her struggling with different parts of being in a rebellion. Um, she, so like, for example, like in the Aldani heist, like Cinta was the one who was like, Val, you have to call it. Like, and Luthen, even Luthen was just like, look, this is, you wanted to lead. This is what leading does. And she like struggles with certain parts of the rebellion, which I find very interesting. Like, and, and I think some of it is she almost has, I, I think she cares a little bit too much than the people around her do. Because she contacted Luthen to find out if Cinta was safe. Her girlfriend. And Clea is pissed. Clea is just like, Cinta's doing her job. Why did you call me? Like, why are we here? And Clea is pissed. But, like, Vel puts her partner before the rebellion. And she puts people in it. It's clear that she really likes... She loved everybody in her group. She trusted Skeen. Even when Clea was like, no, Luthen didn't trust Skeen. But Vel trusted skiing and I, I think she has like a little bit too much empathy than the people around her which makes her very interesting as she really struggles with this and that might be something she gets from mon because we know that her and mon mothma mon mothma are really close cousins she might have um, been more sheltered until recently too so she's a little naive you know Cinta even calls that out calling her a little rich girl like i think it's next episode like Cinta's like at least I, you know i could be a little rich girl um, which, that's, which is that's funny because like her character's vibe and maybe it's her look too but her of the actress but her vibe reminds me of i can't remember the character's name but the you know nothing john snow woman from game of thrones that's funny she's, because the actress is in game of thrones but she does not play that she's, character uh, she's not her no yeah but no, no, she she's, plays, got, um, she's got a little vibe of that character she's got that like heads headstrong where maybe she you know Maybe she's going to sort of clash with everybody. When we see scenes with her with Mon Mothma, it's kind of spiky, too. You know, I, it might be her personality. You know, she might be a little, ca- little, little caustic. Yeah. And, like, Vel clearly disagrees about killing Cassian. And Clea has to pull on her. Um, Clea says something along the lines of, like, this is what revolution looks like. Yeah. And, I mean, um, in the in the early formative parts of a revolution the people who are really going to get their their hands dirty you're gonna get a pretty much selection of pretty strong-willed people you know strong-willed and aggressive people you know in some way or another you know in some fashion or another if Mm -hmm. but this is the third time in seven episodes where and actually less than that, because, like, Vel showed up in, what, like, episode four? So this is the third time in four episodes somebody had to look at Vel and be like, this is what it takes, kid. Yeah. Get your shit together. Because the first time was Luthen, and then Cinta did it last week, and now Clay is doing it. So I just I just find, like, Vel's character very interesting the more I rewatch her, because she's very nuanced, and I didn't really appreciate that the first time I watched it. But, like, I like seeing her struggle with, like, the empathy of rebellion. Like she has so much heart. I I feel like Vel would make a very good Harrison Dula. Like to be like the heart of a team. But this is not she's on the wrong team for that. You know, if, if Vel was on a different team, she would 
function way better. But she happens to be like closer to Saw Guerrera than she is with the yeah. ghost crew, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hope, I'm sorry. I was a little distracted. While we were talking, I just slipped a, a pair of dentures down and put them in my Impala hide. Oh, no! And I think, oh, my God. I don't wow. want to see it. Huh? I don't want to see it. It's probably a yeah. horror show. It is. Kind of love it. I'm no, but slide, I'm glad slide. you love it. I'm Why don't slide. you make a new puppet out of your Impala hide? Maybe I, w- maybe I will. Okay. Maybe I will. <laughs> Anyway, that's all I have for Act 1. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right. <clears throat> Act 2? Act 2. So Cassian finally gets to go home to Ferrix. And he gets home and B2Emo is just like, You're home, Marva. It's Cassian. Cassian's home. But everyone's like, we love you, B2Emo. You're a good boy. And he's like, I know. And Marva is just like, why are you here? Oh my god, there's Imperials everywhere. You know, because you, you shouldn't be here. And he's like, and Cassian's like, Mom, where did all the Imperials come from? And she's like, well, Tim turned you in. But don't worry about Tim. Fuck him, he's dead. And she and Cassian's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, and Cassian's like, Mom, it's okay. We don't have to worry about the Imperials anymore. Because I got a shit ton of money. And she's like, oh, for what? Like, t- to leave. We're, we're gonna leave. We're, we're gonna get out of here, Mom. You, me, and B2MO. She's like, Gotcha. Well, I'm kind of old. I'm going to take a nap, and we'll do this in the morning. And Cassian's like, okay, so I'm going to go check on Bix while you'd sleep, Mom. I love you. You're a good boy, B2Emo. Okay, and he goes to see Bix. Meanwhile, Mon Mothma. Actually, not Mon Mothma. We are going into Genevieve O'Reilly's best scene of the entire show. (laughs) Let's just throw that out there. Uh, we go into this episode, and Mon Mothma is looking great in, like, the most perfect dress. She looks fucking amazing. They had to probably sew her into that thing, because it fits her like a glove. And she's at a party, and Mon Mothma sees her old friend, Tay. And she's just like, hi, Tay. It's been a hot minute. Oh, you remember my daughter? And he's like, oh, hi. And Lita's just like, I'm suspicious. I think you two are fucking. And they're like, okay, that's great. Bye, Lita. And Mon Mothma is just like, Tay, you want to help me with a charity thing? He's like, what sort of charity thing? I don't think I should. I I don't think you'll like my politics, Mon. You know, I'm not really fond of the Emperor. And she's just like, we're about to have the best time. Because I need your help for things I can't tell you. And it's a need-to-know basis. And you're not in my need-to-know. Only three people know about this need-to-know. And you're not one of them. But you want to run um, a, a little charity thing for me, Tay? Keep smiling. And he's just like, uh, uh, for what? She's like, I'm not going to tell you. Keep smiling. Just think about it. Because I think my politics might be a little strong for you, too. And that's how Hope butchered a Genevieve O'Reilly scene. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Cassian sneaks into Bix's house. <laughs> Uh, so Cassian goes to Bix's place, and Bix is just like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, what the fuck happened to your face? He's like, I don't know. This 
the corpos that you brought here punch me in the fucking face? And he's like, ooh, sorry. So, uh, sorry about Tim. And she's like, I am too. Because my boyfriend's dead. And you shouldn't be here. And, yeah. Everybody is blaming you for this, Cassian. Like, it's your fault that the Empire's here. And Cassian's like, my fault? Your dead boyfriend should have kept his damn mouth shut. How is this my fault? And Bix is like, you know what? That's why. Because you're not taking any accountability for your lies. You borrow from people, you run off, you leave us, and we have to be here to pick up all the pieces. You know, you just do whatever your Cassian thing, and we're trying to be like normal people with normal jobs. We can't do this anymore, Cassian. Take some fucking accountability for yourself. Pick, put on your big boy panties and go off and be a good damn adult, okay? And Cassian's like, okay. And he puts down the money. He's like, here's the money I owe you, Bix, and everybody else. It's fun being friends with you. Good luck. And she's like, okay, I'll see you in the finale. And he's like, okay, bye. And he climbs over the wall. And then she's sad. And she takes the money back to everybody else. Then we get a flashback. Uh, <laughs> and it's Cassian and his dad, Clem. And they are watching. Remember, this is in the first year of the Empire. So there's some clone troopers walking by with some Imperials. And the Empire is arriving at Ferrix. And Clem is like, don't worry, Cassian. They're only just going to be here with their stupid little cake or death flag. It's fine. It's not going to be as fun. There is no cake. You know, we're, we're not going like full Eddie Izzard. Uh, you know, no, we, we can't do uh, her her whole thing. So, uh, but it was just a flag. Just a flag. No, no cake. And Clem... Uh, so people are really, really, really upset about the Empire being here, and they throw some rocks at them, and Clem is like, hey guys, don't do that. And he walks out, he's like, there's no cake. And then, what, well, somebody gets hit with a, a stone, and Mr. And the Empire turns around, they're like, you, Clem! And he's just like, I was stopping the fight, and they're like, we don't believe you, you're the aggressor! And so they captured Clem, and they hang him. Because it's horrific. Well, yeah, this is just bad. Um, and in the present... Cassian gets home the next morning and he's just like, hi Marva, you ready to go? Why is nothing packed? And Marva's like, I'm not going with you. Cassian's like, what? What do you mean you're not going with me, mom? We're supposed to get out of here, mom. B2 Emo, pack your stuff. And, and B2 Emo's like, I, I, I don't have hands. And so and Marva's like, listen, I'm going to fight in the rebellion. And Cassian's like, with all due respect, mom, you're like 80. <laughs> I don't think he can fight much of anything. She's like, look, did you hear about that whole Aldani thing? And Cassian is like, ah, Aldani? I've never heard of an Aldani! What's an Aldani? Is it a, is it a food? Do you put it on hot dogs? I'm gonna have an Aldani on my hot dog. I call it Aldagi. Ah, and Marva's like, why are you acting weird? And Cassian's like, don't ask me questions, mother. Why, why, why does Aldani have to do anything? And Marva's like, listen, I was inspired. I have been sleeping. Ferex has been sleeping. We let these bastards come back up. And I'm going to give about a quarter of my speech from the finale. But I'm going to give it right now to you, son. Because I was inspired. And I didn't realize that I was inspired by you. But we'll just put a pen in that. And I'm going to fight the rebellion. And I know that we're going on different paths. And you don't have to join me because... You can't stay, and I can't leave, and I love you, and you're my baby boy, and this, I, yeah. And Cassian's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go then. I love you, Mom. Be to emo. Take care of her. And she's like, I love you, son. Goodbye. Also, stop looking for your sister. 
He's like, that's a weird thing to throw in in episode seven that we haven't touched in six episodes. And Marva just kind of shrugs. Because <laughs> we don't know what to do with the sister stuff. And they say essentially say goodbye to each other. Not realizing this is the last time we'll see each other ever again. What'd you think of it too? Um, I love it. Um, my, my, um, my, I, I, I have one note. It's, uh, I show you the stone in my hand. You don't see the knife in your throat. From I Palp's noted that too. That's such a good line. From Palp's big book of rules. I love, she's like, I took a book from Palp's book and I'm like, I want that book. I mm-hmm. want to read that book. Um, my own, my big, my only big note big question is why if you're Cassian why not be like I uh, I that's where I was doing that heist you know why 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 do, why don't you think he told her about it I think it's think- what Bix was saying because he's not one to take accountability and he I think he's more afraid that it's going to get him in trouble than pride and that, that that's kind of where he is right now. He that that part of this being a transitional episode is Cassian transitioning as well. Actually, I'm just gonna go ahead and go into one of my Cassian notes. Cassian's a big part of Cassian's journey is about accountability. Um, because the first few episodes, the first three episodes, is him just lying and cheating and deflecting and getting everybody to lying for him. But like now, and like when he gets here with Bix. He just, all he does is deflect to Tim. He's like, none of this is my fault. It's Tim's fault. Tim did all this. I didn't do anything. And Bix is like, no, you fucking murdered two people and came home. And I, I don't think, like, like Cassian is really starting to grasp what accountability is until he gets to the prison and, he's see- and everyone's like, why did our prison sentences get doubled? What is this P-O-R-D thing? What's Aldani? And that's when he's like, my actions has affected so many people. And so I, I think at this point, like, it's it's some, like, I think if he went to Marva and was able to go to Marva after the prison arc, he'd been like, yeah, I was on Aldani. But I don't think he's in a place to take, I think he's fearful to take accountability for it. He's afraid to join the rebellion. He's afraid to fight because he's still trying to run. And that's the whole point of the last scene of this episode. He can't run anymore. You know, you can only go so far, but the Empire will always catch up with you. You know, there, there, you, you can only put your head in the sand for so long, but you're going to get caught by the Empire, no matter what. And it doesn't matter if you're going on Space Florida. It doesn't matter if you're in Coruscant. The, the Empire is going to wave their flag. And that is the point, purpose of this episode is he can't run anymore. And he tries one last time to run. He doesn't get away. And I, so I, I think that's why he doesn't tell her about it. Because he is still trying to run. He doesn't want to fight. He's, he's where Jin Erso is at the beginning of Rogue One. He's in the point of like, it's not a problem if you don't look up. You know, if you don't look up at the Imperial flag, that's not a problem. But it's about to be his problem. And he's about to realize that his actions has not only affected everybody in the prison, it also affected everyone in Pharynx. But he's he's almost there. And I think that's why he doesn't take it. But that's just my two cents. It makes sense. It makes sense. Because I'm not saying that he should, but it just would have been very interesting to see where that would have gone if it if it did, you know. 
Yeah, especially because she was inspired by his actions. And if he if he said that they were high, and and if he said, "Hey, I got that. That's where I got the money," and she was like, "Oh, they're hiring mercenaries to do stuff," you know, instead of it being uh, like the true story of it is like you know, Cassie had to shoot some guy dead, like you know, out of no, you know, by surprise, just to get it to go off. And he was a mercenary. Although, like, the thing about him being a mercenary is it's not really, like, you can't put it on him because Luthen really maneuvered him into being a mercenary, you know? Luthen, Luthen is grooming, grooming him to be a, a rebel. And, and uh, so, like, it wasn't like he was out soliciting you know, work to go, you know, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like, like Din Djarin being yeah, like walking exactly. into the bounty hunters guild and picking yeah. up bounty hunters pucks. Yeah, exactly. He, he wasn't even looking for that stuff and he got sucked into it. So it's not like he, he was being a kind of an opportunist, but Luthen was really putting it, you know, putting him in that position. So yeah, my, my only other notes are, I was really super paying attention to the set decoration in Marva's place. Because everywhere on that planet, I'm seeing stuff from like Dollar General. And so I was like, I'm going to really, you want to hear what I found? What? Cat carrier. Okay. Uh, Standard, like cheap. The shelving with plastic, cheap shelving with drawers that you would get at like any, any, uh, you know, big lots store or home supply store. Um, an old fashioned pressure cooker. Um, a stack of ice trays. Like a globe from a schoolroom, but I'll bet you it, it, it didn't, it wasn't a globe of earth, but it was, it was a schoolroom dough. Uh, all kinds of just dollar store tarps, plastic dollar store tarps with with a grommet in each corner. Um, video equipment crates, probably from the cameras that were shooting and lights that were shooting the movie at the time. Um, a big restaurant size um, sushi rice maker, and. Uh, that's it. But that's quite a bit of things just hanging on there, and I'll bet you on further viewings I'll find some more stuff too. But yeah, they, you know, and it's all showing up there. So like, they definitely like were like went to the set decorator and go and went like, look, and and this has actually been a Star Wars tradition too, but it's it's like way more apparent here. But at the same time. It sort of fits the aesthetic of of this world, you know, uh, very utilitarian, and uh, it, it 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 it's goes seamlessly into the background, even though it is obviously from the dollar store, but that gives it an even more like a subliminal effect, you know, and makes it even more down to earth that it's got a dollar store feel to it. But 
not a dollar store in like it's like wish.com Star Wars. It's got a dollar store feel and it is the people in the the movie have to use the space dollar store or are getting the kind of products that would show up in a space dollar store, you know. So I I love it. I love the set design on the show. I love every aspect of 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 this so far. And like um you know, there's there's just so, the little details in this, you know, hit me because it's like after um, Monmouth, a great, a really well acted scene is when her daughter comes up and is like, she's like, you remember Tay? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I want to go, you know, and. Oh, yeah. And uh, but uh, then the daughter leaves and they're walking and. And a few seconds later, you know, there's a there's a there's a shot and just pat and as they're talking, the camera moves and you can see down the hallway and you can see the daughter going up the stairs to leave Uh, down. You know, she'd gone down the hallway and was going up the stairs to leave. There's no reason that they had to make sure that she was in there. You know, you weren't looking for for continuity or anything. Mm-hmm. They just made, you know, there's just that much thought put into it that they like set the daughter walking. It's like, keep going and then going up the stairs because the camera might catch you. It's good, you know, it's going to catch you just so it's and it's just a flash. But they and it's little details like that that are. That. I don't think they're important, but they really like catch my eye and <laughs> I go like, hey. Good work, guys. <laughs> somebody did good at their job today. It means they care. It means that somebody on the set is really thinking about everything, every aspect of it, you know, and that's not always the case, you know. And you know what's going to be something I, I'm wondering about? Uh, this is This is a complete side tangent, but us talking about this made me think of it. Oh, that's um, on my notes, by the way, just... Okay, this is not in my notes, so we're we're kind of tangenting at the moment. Um, the writer strike, and yeah, yeah. So we, we have a massive writer strike going on right now. Um, Andor uh, finished all its scripts, but it's continuing production, which could be scary because a lot of productions have writers on set. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and that, so, the thing is, and now the other the don't... other thing is is the directors. Or possibly going on strike next month. So I I do wonder how, if that's going to affect the quality of, like, right now they're filming Andor without writers on set. And I'm wondering how much it's going to affect the quality of season two. Yeah. I mean, very, like, I mean, very rarely... Okay, you know, I mean, I guess in some ideal, idealized world of a production, it would be like, oh, the scripts are done. All right, well, let's go. We just go shoot the scripts. <laughs> and it's That's never not how like it that. works, it's guys. Never how it works. And, and, you know, what is in this, if you have a season's worth of script, what that season is going to look like might not be, it might be close to the scripts but it might not something in the season could change an actor could 
sprain their ankle or the an actor. The story group could step in and be like, hey, this is me- not meshing with another part of Star Wars. Or there's a, or there's a, uh, there's an actor or actress that really like is having a good chemistry with somebody else and they go like hey that gives me an idea what what if this and this happened with this and this and someone goes oh that's really good you know so yeah i i mean a writer's strike i mean how i mean there had to be positive things that for the writers that came out of the writer's strike and there had to be isolated incidents where something worked out for the better and something got jostled around and all of a sudden like you know you got you know when production started up you had a different crew that was really good and it the writer's strike ended up making something really awesome but yeah it generally does i mean that's the that's the power of a strike is (laughs) you don't want it to happen (laughs) So it's hard to get too optimistic, you know, it's it's just sort of like white, you're going to have to white knuckle it for your favorite stuff, you know, and it's one of those, you know, and it might play out in history. It's like Endor had a perfect first season and then the writer's strike happened and then you have really awful season of it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But. If I would say, if anything, like the actually the most probable thing is going to be that the show just gets delayed, so they can go back and make sure it's all cleaned up nicely. I would, uh, uh, yeah. It, that that's probably like what the biggest thing that's going to happen. Um, but that's just me. Anyway, notes. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get my sh- very shallow notes out of the way. Um, one I've already said, Mon Mothma's dress is fucking gorgeous. She looks amazing in that dress. Um, shaving a haircut is now canon. Oh, you're right. I never even thought of that. Oh my god, because as soon as I heard you say shaving a haircut, I'm like, what is she? Oh yeah. Cause uh when Cassian comes up to Bix's place, he goes up to the pipe and goes and I was like, shaving a haircut. <laughs> so those are my two very shallow notes. All right, let's go through the uh actual notes now. Um, one of those subtle lines that I missed, but actually is like very telling about how much things have changed on Ferrix, is when Cassian first arrives at Marva's place, um, she opens the door and he goes, since when do we lock the door? Which says, which was a line that I missed, but says so much about like the na- the state of Ferrix beforehand versus now. Yeah. Because, you know, they probably never locked the door to the people of Ferrix until now. Because the empires there, I just thought that was a really powerful line that I've never noticed before. Um, there are so few scenes of Cassian and Marva and Cassian and Bix. Because, like, when I really thought about it, you have only a handful of scenes, like mostly throughout the first three episodes, and then this one, and then the finale. And so, like, with so few scenes, these actors are fucking killing it. Because these relationships are so palpable. Like, you feel yeah. the history between Cassian and Bix. Yeah. And you feel the love of, like, Marva and Cassian. Um, but I, it, it's one of those things, like, I didn't really realize how few scenes they have. It, especially, mostly this was, like, Cassian and Bix. Bix and Cassian have very few. I think they only have one when they meet in the garage, one when they meet before he leaves, this one, and I think the finale scene. I think they only have, like, four or five scenes together. 
in like 12 episodes and they just sell that there's this great history with them and it's just really good acting and you know and you know possibly cassian is open towards getting back together with her she ain't gonna get back together with him he also but he also knows it like they just did it with that one line where you know where she was like he thought we were back together he's like now why would he think that like it just like he gets a little just a little thing in and and it's just so it's so much more like a real like ex relationship than like what they usually do in shows like this which would be like maybe they're both giving each other kind of dewy eyes or you know yeah. there's a Will She's they like, or won't no, they? I was handcuffed to a wall and watched my boyfriend die because of you. That yeah, ship yeah. has sailed. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, though, I didn't write this down. There's some oomph behind the line where, like, the door opens and he sees her face, like, it's all bruised up, and he goes, What happened to you? And she goes, I ran I ran into walls like I do. Like I do, yeah. And that just, because, you know, like the whole, like, oh, I tripped, I ran into a doorknob, I ran into a wall, like that, that's like, th- those are lines that you use when you're being abused. So well, like yeah, it is. To hide the fact that you're being abused. And it's, the way it's used here, it's almost as if she's like, she's telling him, you did this to me, without saying it. And... It's it's very interesting, and, and I, I thought the word choice. Well, run into I, walls. Some, the, the word choice there is really it. fantastic. Run into wall, like run into a doorknob is more like evokes a fist, whereas run into a wall is evokes the same thing, but it also sort of describes like predicaments with the empire and stuff too. So it's just a really well done. Mm-hmm done line because that was i i think she got that when you know when she was running through the streets and the and they that one yeah it was it was right around the time that i i think she got hit by the empire with the their blaster like i think they like yeah no when they had it when they had her and she was yeah i think she was in handcuffs by by that point you know Mm -hmm. and yeah totally because of cassian (laughs) yep Yep. Yeah. Uh, in big letters, I wrote Genevieve O'Reilly finally gets to kill it as Mon Mothma. <laughs> big letters. Um, I love the keep smiling scene. It's just Mon Mothma getting to be her true self. And it's just like little things, like you mentioned, like the stone in my hands, so you don't see the knife at your throat. Um, and it's just like little things that Mon gets to finally show off who she is because um, Tay's line of going, I'm afraid my politics are a bit strong for your taste, means that Mon is selling her lie well. If even her best friend from childhood thinks a certain way about her and yeah. doesn't know her real side. That means what she's doing is working. And she and, and like there's so many levels to her because she's because you can tell now that you know like now that I've seen the other seasons you can tell she gets a little like mm-hmm. when he says that she's just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm you're cool. mine. But at the you. same time, they are old friends. He could be playing dumb on top. You don't know who's playing dumb on top of dumb. He could be like, 
ooh, I know, like, I know she's really vain, so I can pretend that I'm like, you know, you know, I could be, he could be playing that as a ploy too. Cause like when, when, when she gets pulled away by the husband, you know, he was just like, oh, you know, she, she was being vain and, and, and you know, the guy's like, as, as always, <laughs> as always mm-hmm. as such, you know, so it's hard to say who's playing who, or if they're even playing each other or just, I don't think know, really, is- really putting the, the, the feelers out carefully, but it's, it's a wondrous scene, you know, cause you don't know who's playing who, if they're being played, but it's pure pop politics on top of politics and drama upon drama. It's wonderful. See, I don't think Tay is. Uh, I think Tay is being honest. I think he's like, I don't really talk politics with you, Mon, because like you're a senator, and I don't think you like it. I think I think Tay's being completely honest. Maybe because because to me, this is Mon Mothma's coming out scene. Um, this is the scene where she gets to like finally like be herself because like with Luthen, like she's still trying to play the senator and she's trying to play nice and stuff like that. And like this is the scene, like she's pissed. She's pissed at Luthen. And she's like, I need to fucking fix this. And so I think this is the first real time we're seeing Mon Mothma. And she wants the entire to know series. she knows and maybe can have some leverage with, you know? Yeah, like, I I don't think Tay's playing at all. I think Tay's just, like, you know, just, I don't, I, and, and that's no way of saying, like, Tay's dumb. No, he's a very smart character. Um, but I don't think he's, like, trying to pull it over on her. Like, he's like, I'm just a banker, and I'm, you know, you're my childhood friend, and blah, blah, blah. Well, it was, you can, it's you not can even... see his facial reactions when well, she's it's... like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. Don't trust Perrin. And he, like, looks at Perrin like, what is happening? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, it's, it's, it's not like that he's evading her or even deceiving her, but he's, he's just play. he's, 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 playing this conversation in a certain way you know it's it's not lying he's he's just sort of i'll i'll play it's it's almost like two couples that are swingers at the bar trying to figure out if they're both swingers and being like i don't know you know some of the stuff me and my husband get up to it's a little weird and uh, him going like and her going like i don't know my husband and I have pretty broad definitions of weird. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know, there's a little, there's a little of that going on. But like, I mean, that's the thing is, is both of these actors know every everybody in the room that's acting except for the daughter know that they're, you know, that they're all politicians. You know, the daughter is the only one who has a clear, clear um, agenda, which is get the hell out of there and do her, her thing, you know? I do think something, um, one of my, like, thoughts about Lita, not in, not as much as in this scene, but it's in a different scene with Tay, where she's just like, you're around here a lot now. I think that if we have Lita causing trouble in season two, it's because she thinks that Tay and Mon are having an affair. Because there's oh, a yeah. little, like, when, when they probably she have thinks, at some point. They probably yeah. have. <laughs> because when she leaves the room, she tells Mon, have fun, mother, and walks off. And then later, like a couple episodes from now, she's just like, Tay, you're around here a lot, aren't you? Looks at him. <laughs> well, that's like, the thing is that she, both both her mother and her father are, are both having fun. 
They're yeah. they're they're politicking. They're doing the thing they're good at, and obviously, like Mon Mothma, like like if Tay had an affair with Mon Mothma, that's a like I mean, her husband is openly just sit, standing there in flirting stance with two women, one that he's got focused <laughs> on, stance. right in front. They're both like you know. <laughs> He is. He's he's that I know, sort of standing. But I just love the idea of someone walking up to Perrin and Perrin just being like, and now flirting stance, everyone. Flirting stance. I mean, a guy like that 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 his his character with that hair and his his mannerisms, that's flirt that's hello, milady. You know, if he had a sword, he'd be leaning on his you know, it's a very he's He's got a really cheesy, like, rich boy Robin Hood look, you know, just sort of like, ah, little Renaissance fairy sort of thing, fair-esque. <laughs> Don't ruin the Renaissance fair. The Renaissance fair does a very good job of doing that itself, Hope. I'll just leave it at that. Anyway. Oh, you're not a Ren fair person? I'm a, I'm a Ren fair hater, sorry. It, it all just like I, I keep seeing videos for that like place in Utah that's like the ultimate LARP park. Like they're like it's the only ride there is a train that go that takes you from one part of the park to the other because it's all LARP. You, you go there and there's LARPs that happen. So it's like you know, in in the woods and stuff. But I I can't bring myself to watch videos <laughs> of it because I know I'm gonna like I'm gonna want to like claw my eyes out. So it's me, it's me, hope. But anyway, yeah, he, you know, they're they're definitely there to flirt and and you know, and I'm not saying flirt he, with danger. No, flirt with ladies and men like they do. You know, they're 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 at a party. They're you know. They're there, they're there to flirt and then also talk politics and go like, ah, but we'll talk politics for like 40 seconds and then be like, but we're not here to talk about talk politics. Let's talk about your eyes. <laughs> la, 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 la. Oh, yeah, politics. You yeah. know, the stuff politicians like to do. They're getting up to all their bullshit, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's wonderful. It's wonder. It's wonderfully crafted. Um. And the only other thing I had about the scene is she tells Tay, only three people know what I'm about to tell you. We know two of them is Luthen and is Clea. Who's the third? I think Belagana. That's my my take. Probably. It would make it would make sense. I mean, historically, he's the guy and like and him, they're, they're, her, they're, and Padme he, he are the ones. Him, her, and Padme are the ones in the deleted scene of uh, what of Revenge of the right, Sith making right, the exactly, alliance. Exactly, he was in in like yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's not going to be Padme. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. Padme. It's uh, yeah, it's R.I.P. Padme. I mean, it, that would be cool because Natalie Portman's still alive, but yeah, R.I.P. This would be my favorite part if it wasn't for the next part. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite part. Uh, so I, I want to talk about the flashback with Clem. First ah. of all, I always, I always want more Clem. I think I, I hope in season two we get because because season one has a lot of Marva. I hope season two has a lot of Clem. Hi, good morning. You decided to wake up. 
Good morning. Okay. All right. Someone buy a lot. Up. Buy a lot. Uh, I think all you can get, like, it could be a lot, but it's going to be like flashback. It's going to be like a few 30 second flashbacks, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Clem's already, you know, passed on for the beginning of the season. Hi. Right. But I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe if we're really lucky, they'll open out the season with a whole scene that involves Clem that has, like, them, that, that, that resonates thematically throughout the whole season or something. That would be really cool. You know, like one of the scenes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was muted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just want more Clem. Um whenever he's here, he just adds to Cassian's stories like in so many like thematic ways. And they seem to have Clem flashbacks at important junctures of Cassian's story. Um so, like, we, we had our first Clem flash, flashback when, uh, which, is, which is him and Marva adopting him when Cassian's leaving. This is the transitional episode where we have a, a Cassian flashback of him um, being radicalized, which I'll get into more in a second. And I think our last Clem flashback is the finale, I, I believe. Um, so it, it seems like they really pick these clone flashbacks to come at like really pivotal moments of Cassian's journey. Uh, give me one second, I'm gonna let a cat outside. Okay. Hi, baby. Hi. Okay, go on. Come on, baby. I'm going to enjoy your nap. Well, I'll the door cracked so she can come back in if she wants to. All right. Where were we? Well, I mean, Clem is basically his father, so... He is his father. He raised him. He's his adopted father. (laughs) He's married to Marva. That was Marva's husband. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And that's... So, that's... That's a pretty good touch point, you know, having his mother and his father, you know. Um, And there's just, like, little things that shows, like... The atrocities of the vampire, the vampires. I just said vampires. The atrocities of the empire. <laughs> well, like the vampires, am I right? Right, right. Oh my gosh, I've been writing vampire fanfiction. Uh, so it's I have vamps on the brain. Um, but uh, what was I talking about? Oh, um, it shows the atrocities of the vampire and like the idealism. Like Clem is so hopeful. He's just like they're just gonna wave their flag and that's it. And then he just happens to step out on that street at the wrong moment and hang him for it. And it's just horrific. I don't have a better word. Um, but one thing I never noticed in the flashback scene well, is it's even a- more horrific the way that the way and the timing with which they reveal it is very well done and to really stick the knife in. <laughs> And also, one thing I never noticed before, and I remember, I, this is like my third or fourth rewatching of this show. They do a body swap of actors in the flashback. Did you notice that? No, I totally did not notice it. So when it's, because I noticed this when I was doing the background notes, and they have like, like had an actor written down as young Cassian. And I was like, when is there a young Cassian in this? And if you watch the flashback, when it's from the front side, 
it's Cassian in the present day. He is wearing his clothes that he's wearing in those right. scenes. He's, he's thinking about it, yeah. But when you see him from the back, he's wearing a different outfit because he's younger. There's a younger actor playing Cassian in those scenes. And it's, it's so depending on which side of the camera's on, and there's like even a little sound cue of like when Cat, like you see a shot of Cassian on the front and then Clem pats him on the shoulder to walk on the street and it's a young actor. And I've never noticed that before where it switches between Diego and this other actor. And I think that's super clever because it's adult Cassian thinking about that and I think it's also those moments of realize, of being radicalized because adult Cassian is looking back at those moments going, I could have done something. I should have done something. Um, the, I have always hated the Empire. The Empire has always hurt me. And it's those little moments that like, like that mimic, those like mimic words are starting to stick to him because He's again. It's this whole this whole episode and the next few episodes is about like Cassian learning accountability, experiencing and, it firsthand. <laughs> right, Basically. and it's they took and it's him going. They took my father from me, and I ran. I've been running for years, and I'm not running anymore. And like he has that scene where he charges at the 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 clone troopers, and he goes to fight them with the hammer. But like it's which I'm surprised he did wasn't killed. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting scene where he in the present is remembering in the place of his past self, but there is a body swap there. And I think that's very fascinating that I never realized it. It's a really cool scene because <laughs> it goes back and forth between Diego, Diego and him. Um, Oh, I just, I love the final scene of him and Marvel just saying goodbye, not realizing they're saying goodbye to each other because it's the last time they're ever going to see each other. But they, um, they at least, but they, like, Marva makes sure to cover enough of what she's going to say in case she doesn't see him again. Right. She's um, more aware that they may not see each other again. So she, she says everything that needs to be said. Yeah. It's a really good scene. And, um, and it's just like little things like she says a lot of like kind of pseudo things like you were talking about how Luthen is trying out his speech on Mon Mothma. She mirrors a lot of the things she says in her her finale speech, like the whole like Ferrix has been sleeping. It's time that we wake up and it's time we fight back. Like she mirrors a lot of those lines like she's doing a pseudo version of that for him. Um, and I just like the little note that like she was inspired by him, not realizing it was him. And I, I just I think that's really a nice little touch. Um, and I just love the line of Cassian just saying, I'll be worried about you all the time. And Marva says, that's just love. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Yep. That's a great just, line. Yeah. Um, but that's all I have for this. Do you want to go to Space Florida and wrap this puppy up? Yeah. My favorite part of the whole show. Space Florida. <laughs> All right, you ready? It's sort of like Space Florida and Space Rio. Like, there's a lot, like, it, it, or it could be, it could be like any resort area of any kind of, like, probably poor planet on the other side of the resort, you know? Mm -hmm. it, could, it could be, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Mm. All right. All right, <clears throat> I'm ready. Act Act three, 
Act three. We come back to the ISB, and they're all just doing their normal meeting thing. The major part of guys is like, yeah, Lonnie, you suck. You suck. You guys all get your papers in on time. Blevins, what you doing here? And Blevins like, I have an announcement to make. And part of guys is like, all right, Blevins, make your announcement. And Blevins is like, you suck, Dedra. And Dedra's like, I'm sorry, what? And Blevins is like, she tried to go behind our back and do bad things and try to take my Ferrex away from me. And part of Gas is like, okay, Dedra, did you do that? And she's like, yes, sir, I did. I did exactly what you asked me to. You wanted me to have hard evidence, and now that we have uh, access to all the stuff, thanks to P.O.R.D. that we talked about with Colonel Yularen in Act 1, I now have a proper list here and evidence of all the stuff that Rebels does. Uh, all the Rebels do. And you know what, sir? I know we're supposed to stay within our jurisdictions, but I don't think the Rebels care about that. You know the jurisdictions that you drew up on a map, map major part against? Major part against? Rebels don't care about your little map that you drew up. Anyway, here's my list of evidence. Fuck you, Blevin. And part of Gas is like, nice, congratulations, you won Ferrix. And she's like, yes, <laughs> I won, I won Ferrix. And all the Empire and the Imperials party, except for Blevins who cries in the corner. Part of Gas is like, watch your back, bitch. And she's like, all right. And then they have a party. And it's like, you know, they talk about it at the water cooler for the rest of the day. And it's time to go to Space Florida. And so we go to Florida where Cassian is hiding out. And he is with a very pretty lady that he adoring. She's gorgeous. And she wakes up and she's like, not Cassia, whatever your fake name is. Uh, go get, well, I don't know, poppers or whatever. <laughs> Charles, you've ruined me. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'll go get them. And he's like hiding his money in a hotel above the shower. Pizza, pizos, that's what they're called. I, I, I was like, I know I wrote this down. Um, he's hiding his money in the shower above, in the hotel, above a shower, because, you know, smart. And he heads out to find some pizos. And as he's walking along the Space Florida walkway by the ocean, some people, uh, are running away. And they're running away from Sam Witwer. And he's just like, uh-oh, why is everyone running? And if Cassian had just sat down and just waited, like, five minutes, he would have been fine. But no, he keeps walking in the direction that the guys are running on. And he walks upstairs, and there's Sam Witwer, and Sam Witwer is like, Hi, I'm Clone Wars and Rebel Sam Witwer, nice to meet you. Also, I'm here to stop and frisk you. And Cassian's like, what? Like, I am here to stop and frisk you. What? Stop being aggressive, sir. And Cassian's like, I just go into the grocery store. He's like, stop being aggressive, sir. You're, you need to lower your voice. Why are you running? Why are you looking around? And Cassie's like, I don't know what's happening. I just want poppers. And so uh, Sam Whitmer's like, calm down. We need a droid. Not K2SO. Come here. And not K2SO walks up all the steps. And he's not funny because he's not Alan Tudlick anymore. He is scary. And he picks up Cassie and says, hang. You know, the thing that happened to his father. And Cassian's like, please, no. And he shoves him against the wall and goes, hang? Hang? You know, because things come in threes. And it's scary. And Cassian's like, oh, God. So Sam Witwer arrests Cassian. And he gets taken to a judge. And the judge is like, hi, you're going to go to jail. 
And Cassian's like, uh, don't I get a trial and a jury? And she just laughs. She's like, oh, you silly bitch, this is a fascist system. Have fun with Andy Serkis in the next arc. Enjoy your PRD sentence. And he's just like, uh, uh, I'm a tourist. What's happening? And fun fact, he's about to go to jail for six years. But that's fun because we're about to go off to the best two episodes of the season. The end. Also, somewhere in here, like, Sento rode a motorcycle. <laughs> but I just didn't feel like mentioning it. The end. The, the the last sequence of this might be my favorite sequence of the whole show. Yeah! It might be, like, it's, the key to the whole show for me. It is so good. Okay, hit me, hit me. Well, for one, I'm going to get my... Uh, my one line that doesn't have anything to do with that, I like the the where what part of gas tells Dedra, you know, watch your back, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that I I, I like that. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I I love this sequence because it sh- it it sort of shows the just the random nature of fascist punishment it's more about the punishment it doesn't matter if you did it or not you know it's just some people are you know you're you're it's it's banal you're gonna get you're gonna get wrapped up in it but i like the added irony of it it is it is cassian's fault it's a direct result of his actions (laughs) it's 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 exactly it's exactly what he should be you know, he made a crime, and yeah, it is the consequences of his actions on Aldani. But that's the th- that's the thing is like, if you're looking at it from the Empire, he's getting away with this early e- easy because Aldani really should get you is probably going to get you hung, you know, uh huh, or executed in some way. It's not or a life sentence or whatever, but. It, it, from our point of view and from Cassian's point of view, he wouldn't do nothing. <laughs> he wasn't doing yeah, anything. He was walking to the store. Uh-huh. He was he was he was totally, totally innocent, you know. He is under a fake name and all that. But yeah, yeah. It's just it's just like, wait a minute, you know, I there's this I'm getting picked up for this this dumb ass thing, and that's the way it works. And you know it's a bad sign when you hear someone who's Space dog has pooped on the ground. Just got four months. You know it's not looking good. You know, for anti-imperial activities or whatever. And uh, it's 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 just it's just perfect. He he's in in the and I'm looking at it in the context of more of the first time I watched it. I was like. <clears throat> this is perfect. Where I thought it was going was we would see him, you know, six years later and he would be like, you know, tougher. Uh, you know, we would see him coming out of because I was just like, that's what the show could very potentially do. Just, you know, take a six year jump in in the future. And uh, but what it did was actually no, way better way better (laughs) but um i just love the random and and it was just like yeah it was that that moment you can't avoid it no matter where you go it's gonna find you it's gonna be everywhere and 
it just gives you that little kick at the end of just like, oh, <laughs> off to jail. And I love that Imperial fan. <laughs> it's just a fan with like Imperial shapes on it. It's 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 great. And, yeah. you know, with a with a with a big fat, big fat judge eating eating pecans like like she's like a southern ju- judge in an old movie you know like a redneck judge in an old old movie you know eating pecans and sweating in the heat i i i love it i i just love this 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 that whole the the ending to this is perfect and it it's the perfect lead in to where it goes and it's it it's unexpected the first time you see it, but it makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. And really, I don't have a lot of notes. I just, you know, it's it's just really good. <laughs> I it's really well executed. But my most shallowest note in all of this is Cassian is so lucky that nobody found his money stashed above the the shower. Because like when I saw he was doing that and he got arrested, I was like, "Well, there goes all his money." And then he comes back in like three episodes and like gets it. I'm like, "How did did no one clean up there? Like, why is the money still there? <laughs> like, did he just go around different hotels so he found like a perfect hotel to find his money? Like, it's it's such a shallow note, but it bugs me that like nobody stole his money. <laughs> well, he might have put it in a place where like they really it's not visible and it wouldn't be. Well, but that's the thing. If you if you watch the sequence, like he stands up up on the thing and he puts it inside of a thing. Yeah. So, but it's still. I just had one of those moments of just like, man, if they like had one maintenance guy came in, that money's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a matter matter of luck. But he, yeah, but it was probably also like a fairly decent hotel, so like they had, probably had good security and like. Although, like, I mean, he was kind of with a, like, I don't know if she was supposed to be a prostitute or if she was just, like, a party girl, but she was definitely, like, buy all the drugs when you're out there. <laughs> so, I did look this up. The pizos are legal. They are legal stimulants. So, I'm assuming there's something like caffeine pills or something like that. Yeah, they're drugs. They're they space are drugs, drugs, but they're legal know. drugs. I did yeah. look that up. They are legal drugs. Well, you so. see, I don't know if drugs drugs in general are like taboo in in space. You know, we I mean, do, we know spice, spice is illegal, but you know, know, spice. spice is like sort of like the heroin. You know, yeah, we do know spice. Um, I have a note here that says, "I mean," and the note says, "I mean, space Florida is just full of fascists as real Florida." Yeah, yeah. or any any like, I mean, a lot of a lot of those. Like, um, you know, rich paradises that you go to are. It, it, I mean, it 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 sort of runs with um, what you call it from the from the um, Last Jedi. Oh, the Canto Canto Bright. Yeah, it it sort of it sort of like very much parallels Canto Bright. You know, you don't get to see as much of it in Andor of this this planet in Andor, but it gives you the same general vibe, you know. It might not be as fancy as Canto Bright. Canto Bright might be where the richest of the rich go, but it's got that same sort of feel. It's got the same sort of music going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And I, I love the interact. Like, like you know, we talk about how there's so many like real world coded things in this story. Um, yeah. And one of them is like the stop and frisk element of the stormtrooper of the short the short trooper stopping him. And it's just like little things. He's like, I'm just walking to the store, and the guy's like, stop being aggressive. And he's like, I'm not. <laughs> like it's. So, and like, I feel like that's the scene where Diego sat down and was like, let me tell you about what happens to BIPOC people with police. And like, that just like feels like a scene that Diego sat down and was like, here is my input that I've like lived experiences from like people like yeah. that look like me. Um, and yeah. it's just one of those things that you can only get when you have people getting gaslit by a cop. Yeah, and it's just, like, one of those things, like, those, it, you know, I, I was talking about this when it came, when I was talking about Star Wars Visions. Um, when you have people of color telling their authentic stories of, of story, uh, their authentic stories of stories, their authentic versions of lived experiences and their stories, it makes Star Wars all the richer, and it really makes moments like this feel much more nuanced, it makes it feel much more powerful, it makes it feel much more authentic. Um, and this, this just feels like a scene that, like, Diego, other, like, wrote, not whatever white writer wrote this. Um, actually, I don't know if the writer's white, but I'm pretty sure he is. Um, <laughs> but, like, this feels like that. And... Well, the, th- here, the, the thing is, and it's, but it's, like, I mean, this is, like, sort of, like, I mean, it, there's a racial aspect of it, too, it, like, in, in with with cops and too but this is also like this is the way it is with like cops in a dictatorship like anybody mm-hmm. walking the like, street this is like is... ss cops huh like this is like 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 ss cops of yeah, like yeah 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 cops. oh oh yeah but i mean i mean i mean like if you're in if you're in you know some third you know south american country with a dictator that's you know not like nazi but they're, they're they're still using the same tactics, you know, and which is, you know, just treat the city, you know, you, you're not asking, you're asking questions, but you're just telling them that, you know, you're running, you're sweating, you know, that that when when they're doing it, they're making their report on you, you know, they're like, you know, and and cementing it there by saying it to you, you know, like, you know, why were you running? I wasn't running. Then why are you sweating? You know, mm-hmm. then then why are you why are you so antsy and by that time you're antsy and then they go why are you so antsy and aggressive you know yeah and then and there's like little and things where he's just like where the cop tells him to calm down he's just like calm down and he's like i'm not doing anything yeah, i'm going to the store yeah <laughs> um so it's just like one of those like so like, what, what the reason i just enjoy this scene is like it race is not a thing in star wars like they've said it like many times across the board like people are not racist or homophobic in star wars but it's stories like that um which are coded that way in our real world that makes it resonate that way so it's just it's just a really speciest and droidist they are speciest but like uh humans when it comes to like humans there there's no race yeah nobody uh, that doesn't seem to be yeah there doesn't seem to be any sort of problems or taboos with like sexuality and race yeah and humans and humans and humanoids yeah um and then the only other part about that that i wanted to say is the k2 droid is such a nice touch because when that droid walks up we were just like it's k2so like in rogue one but it's not (laughs) 
it's such a nice touch to have a K2 droid. Well, and... I mean, you knew K2 wasn't one of was uh was re repurposed, but you had never seen one of what he was repurposed from. Well, you right. did a little bit in the in the movie, you know, you saw other droids that were but you know, this yeah. Is scary. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things um, that it's just such a good touch too, because it is—it doesn't even sound like Alan Tudyk yet. To like, like they like it has like a deep robotic voice, and it's just all it's saying is the word "hang," which is equally scary because you know we just went through this whole thing about learning about Cassian's father and seeing him get hanged and having this like droid holding Cassian by the neck, just repeating the word "hang, hang." Hang, and he's yeah. just like, oh god, like it's so terrifying. Like it's such a scene. Yeah. Um and uh so that's that's all I have on Space Florida. I do want to touch for like a half a second on the opening scene with like Dedra and Blevins and Partigas, because I just jumped into Space Florida with you. Um I this is kind of building on of uh, how the, the Dedra notes up to this point where They've framed Dedra as a character that we want to root for, and now she's succeeded. So, like, it's all framed like a victory. Like, yeah. this is what watching this for the first time, you're waiting for like Dedra to like dunk on on Blevins and just being like, Ferrix is mine now. And what I like about this is like the flip, because she's won, she has Ferrix. This should be a victory, and we're all just like, Yay, Dedra. And then starting nep- next episode, she's a fucking monster and you're just sitting here going Dedra no stop it stop torturing Bix you know and and it's such a wonderful twist of story tropes where we're rooting for her as an underdog and then it shows no she was always a fascist like she was always a monster yep but uh I do like how ballsy it is because she calls out Partigas on his word yeah 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 and we're because Blevins says something along the lines of like, oh, it's my jurisdiction that Partigas drew, drew up. And she looks right at Partigas and goes, I don't think the rebels care about our maps. <laughs> I think she understands that Partigas loves that shit. He loves that yeah. shit. He's he's not. He's, he's like, he's, like yeah, he's, he's practical, but he's not strictly by the rules. He's 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 checking out all his options and she's willing to like, yeah, yeah. go out on a limb. Because also, um. And, and it's, it's really set up in like his first appearance when he's just like, what do we do here at the ISB? And like, she gives like the definition of the ISB and he's like, and that's wrong. We're here to look for cures and like yeah, snuff yeah. out disease. Um, and it's so like, and, that, and that's kind of a theme of the empire is how much are you going to step on somebody else to rise up through the ranks, but you can't rise up too fast. Cause you have to still be like within the ranks. Um, and like, well, does that. She's like, I'm going to use my skills. You know, we have P.O.R.D. now. I'm going to use P.O.R.D. to go behind Blevins back and get a shit. Ha ha. I, 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 no, I'm glad you brought up that. I forgot about that speech, but like, that's probably why he's also kind of happy about it is because she took his advice and showed mm-hmm. up and was just like, and it, it, it sort of seemed like he was counting her with that, but with that speech and in mind she did what he he said so she was coming back and do it and doing what she said and and bringing results you know and and information where the other guy was just sort of sniping at her and Mm -hmm. yeah it's a beautiful scene oh yeah absolutely 
Um, but I do wonder one thing about Blevins, because mostly I don't remember, I don't can't remember if Blevins does anything for the rest of the season. But I think it would be really interesting if Blevins kind of takes on, you know, we know Lonnie defected, but I could see the possibility of like Blevins defecting. Like now oh, that Dedra took this from him, you know, I could see his career just kind of spiral a little bit. Like he just keeps getting all these losses and like Lonnie just being like, hey. Um, but I could also see a situation where Blevins takes on like an Hux in the the Rise of Skywalker, Maybe. where he's like, "I'm not joining the Rebels because I I believe in what you're doing. I'm joining the Rebels because I fucking hate Dedra and I want to destroy her." <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a few years. There's gonna be a few years between season one and season two. I think Blevins will be out of the picture because I think this is the beginning of his downward arc. You know, I of you know, of power and influence, and he's gonna just be a but like story wise, he's just gonna be like he'll he'll have gone under his wheels probably like years before we we dip into the action of whatever's going on. And I think she'll probably be back. But oh, Dedra's back. We know Dedra's back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she's already confirmed. I don't know about Blevins. Um, I, there's I, a few people I, we know I that really, are not back. Yeah. I really don't see his character. He's just he's just the first person that got in her way. Like by the time we see her, he'll be like she'll be like, What was that guy's name? I don't even remember what he looked like, you know. But you know, he was Roger? I don't know. She'll she'll yeah, she'll have she'll have thrown so many she'll have thrown so many other bigger fish under her wheels at by that point, you know, that that yeah, that I don't know. I shouldn't try to predict what it is because I have a really bad yeah. track record on it with the show. Yeah. So, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. Uh, well, then I forgot to write my score. Score it up, Chris. I gave this one a nine point two five. It's really good. It's 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 more for the third part. It's more for just his arrest and trial, but like everything about this. Uh, episode is really perfect and super interesting and involving to watch it just it's like it's one of the like sort of longer ones it's like 50 minutes long or whatever but it just like whips by you know it just it's just engrossing so yeah um for me i forgot to write down a score um I, I like it. What was I score last year? Last week? The, the I I think I had a nine point. I would say this is probably about on the. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna be crazy. You ready? I'm gonna give this a nine point seven five. Ooh. I think this is a really good episode. And I and I was thinking, you know, like when you have a beam of light going into a prison, a, a prism, and then it comes yes. out a rainbow on the other side. Yeah, it's this. Uh, it's this episode. <laughs> this episode is the prism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything to this point funnels into this episode, and then it just explodes outwards yeah. on, on the opposite end, and it's all yeah. of this episode. And I, I think this is one of the best transitional episodes I've ever seen of tele- on, on television. Like this is how you should do it. Every it's not just like oh we have to move these story beats along and let's throw in a couple things here. Everything has its purpose. I think the only thing no, that I don't really feel like, 
The only thing I personally don't feel like is having a purpose is like there's two scenes with Senta and they weren't like notable and it's just her like roaming around Aldani. I think she's on Donnie. I guess she's on Aldani. But like like you could cut those two scenes and like the episode is fine. And like but outside of that, like everything is here for a purpose and builds the story and it's building towards something. It is the best transitional episode. It's it's one of my personal favorites. Um I might bring down like lower the ranking later, but like right now, no, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. This is this is one of the best episodes of the season, hands down. So <sighs> As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or on the Discord. We like chatting with you guys on Discord. I will occasionally pull your Discord conversations, and occasionally I won't. We'll see, you know, when we're just, like, chatting you know, back and forth. But, you know, I'll pull. So. And this week, we are starting our indoor feedback with episode one, Casa. And I, I actually been purposely sitting on this one for a little bit. Because of the uh, second um, uh, uh, comment here. Because the second comment fit really well with this episode. So I, I've been purposely sitting on this one. So like, let's talk about Casa. Chris, take it away. All right. The first one comes from Diego Lemos. And he says, Andor is a great show. Yes, it is. I've always said that all Star Wars is for kids. But this feels like a show with mainly an adult audience in mind. At least totally. Yeah, I would never say Andor is for kids. Tricks are for kids. To clarify, I don't want people to think I'm one of those people that's that says all Star Wars should be like Andor and that we need to swear and all the new protagonists need to be morally ambiguous badasses that shoot first and ask questions later. I like more of the 70s pulp space opera, but it's nice to see a show with a clear end goal being Rogue One. Hold on there, because I that that is a that's point a- that like really stuck to me because that's true. Most Star Wars, when we watch Star Wars, it kind of has like the comic book problem um, because it's an ongoing open right. narrative. Right. It's an ongoing narrative. They but don't have like, to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's the um, like the Star Wars timeline is a never ending story. So, like, while like characters can have an endpoint, um, Star Wars itself doesn't. And so sometimes it does feel like Star Wars is kind of like, the, like, how many times can Spider-Man and Batman do things kind of problem. Um, so what it, that I, I really like this point by Diego because that's true. We know yeah. Cassian's end goal. It's Rogue One. <laughs> and you, so, and uh, I think I that's mean, one yeah, of the strongest... A... The, the fact that this show has a strong end goal and we know the end goal. Um, and, and it's the same with Clone Wars because we know where Clone Wars is going. It's what makes the show strong. It has a reason to exist. It, it has a, a thesis and it has a beginning, middle and end. And that's like exactly. very rare. And it's not it's not set. It's not setting up for anything beyond where it ends. It, where it ends is where it ends because it ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think that's the difference between something like Clone Wars and Andor, because Clone Wars was still them just kind of meandering. Like, there's no way that that many that all that stuff happened in two years. There's just no fucking way. You're you're mad. But um, with something like this, like Tony Guerrero, I was like, no, this is a two season story. The end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows he's has a story he wants to tell. He's going to tell it. It's not about like building a franchise or, 
you know, setting it up for the future. It's this do a thing. He wants to do a thing and it's obviously doing a thing and it's doing it really well. So it's, it's great. I'm sorry. I'll I'll let you finish Diego's note. I just want to slide in there. Okay. Um, I'll just work. Okay. Uh, first step, give Cassian a reason and inspiration for his rebellion. At least that's what I see this season is as yes, it totally is. Yeah. Mm Uh, like a reason, inspiration, and an understanding of of why and how. All right. Oh, it's Charles. It's Charles time. Hi, Charles. All right. So uh, Charles says, while it's true that Andor and Rebels season one occur in the same year, 5BBY, it's actually a source of some debate where they could, where they are relative to each other. The mention of an incident on Kessel in episode four-ish could refer to the Rebels episode Spark of Rebellion, or it could refer to Solo, or it could refer to another incident, since I believe Dedra's overall point is the theft of Imperial equipment and Wookiees wouldn't be classified the way that way for bureaucratic purposes. Plus, also, I think Kessel would be someplace that would get, get knocked over fairly often and would be more likely to get knocked over. Uh, this this feedback will pro- probably go on or around episode four, so y'all can double check me on that. Um, oh, we're, oh yeah, we're already past episode four though, <laughs> so maybe we did. In the opening scene of Spark of the of Rebellion, two Imperial officers attempt to arrest a fruit seller for treason, and some people, including myself, interpret this as possible because of the PORD introduced in episode seven, which would put the start of Rebels around the same time as the Narkina arc. Callus is also able to make use of naval, naval resources, which is something the P.O.R.D. Should I just say poured? You can. Because uh, I want to say porg whenever I say it like that. I'm just going to say porg, which is something the porg make, makes easier. I've seen a lot of debates on the topic. My best guess, Rebel starts around the same time as Cassian is breaking out of prison. Yeah. So this was what I was just like, I could talk about this in my notes, or Charles laid it out really nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't I, and I have to. I like that thought of like, um, PO, the PORD is why Callus has so much power in season one of Rebels. Sure. Oh, yeah. He has a shit ton of power in season one. Like he's, like I said, he's like chart leading Star Destroyers <laughs> as an ISB agent. So thank you, Charles. Thank you, Diego. Thank you, everybody. I love you. Good work. Good work, everybody. Good job. Thank you, Charles. If you ever need, like, Laura's... <laughs> so, actually, Charles saved my ass a little bit this week. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell the story. The story. Um, I was writing a long-ass lit article for work about uh, queer characters in Star Wars because uh, Pride Month is next month and I wanted to get a head start so my um, editor had plenty of time to work on it, blah, blah, blah. And the, I was joking with Megan that we need to get go back to being oppressed because there are too many gay people in Star Wars when I had to write about over 100 of them. <laughs> I'm like, there are too many of you now. Um, and I trimmed down the list to like 65 people. And uh, so I... Part of that list was characters from the Old Republic MMORPG. 
I I don't know shit about the Old Republic. I've never played KOTOR. I don't know fucking Jack Squad about it other than that it exists. And I think I think there's a Sam Witwer character in it. Isn't that where like the that Star Killer guy is? I don't know. See, I don't fucking know. I can hear Charles screaming. <laughs> um anyway, so the thing about the Old Republic MMORPGs, when they updated them, they made it to where, regardless of the player's gender, you can romance any of the NPCs. So technically, everyone is gay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is good. A whole day of my work was just reading Wikipedia pages trying to find out who in the Old Republic is gay. That was like a whole day of work for me. And finally, I was like, Charles... You know this way better than I do. Am I somewhat on the right track with this? And he was so helpful. He was like, you need to put them in this order. These are right. This one needs to have some clarification. These are great. And, like, he was so helpful to how he parsed through the old Republicans. And it was just so lovely because he totally saved my ass because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And he was like, this person does not work for Revan. (laughs) And I was like, what about Revan? He's like, not Revan. We don't count Revan. <laughs> you, 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 you. Not you. You. Yeah, that's essentially what he did. And he put it in order for me. And it was super helpful. So, Charles, thank you. I adore you. Like, that was wonderful. And it really saved my ass with work. And I appreciate it. So, if you need somebody to be like, here's some lore, go to Charles. He's very good at lore. Because um, he, he he enjoys well actually being the well-actually guy. Yeah. Yeah, but he does it in a nice way, not a I'm gonna beat you in the face way. Well, because you were asking, I, you were asking for it. You were you were seeking the well actually. Yeah. Well well that's the thing. I used to work in a comic book store, so I used to get well actually all the time. Yeah. And oh my god, like you you I'm surprised I never murdered you a person. You weren't soliciting like, is, it though. <laughs> Charles is nice when he well actually is people. He's like really kind about it. And I'm just like, Thank you, Charles, you're so nice, thank you. Probably because you're not a mouth breathing insult crap boy coming into my my comic book store. I mean, that's yeah, that's those are your two choices, either Charles or that. <laughs> the two choices. That's that's it. <laughs> there ain't no more than that. Charles, those are the only two choices. <laughs> oh my god, let's in this podcast. I am so one stupid. or the other. Yeah, we got the sorting hat. <laughs> it's a no! coin. We flip no it. Sorting hats. We no. have a sorting coin for this one. The the hat, like, why well, use a hat? Just coin, you just flip it. Uh, uh, okay, where can people find you? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That is our website where we keep all our podcasts all sorted by and and filed in their proper place. Um, you can also um, go to Facebook and see all our shows get posted up on the Two True Freaks podcast page. And the Two True Freaks Cantina is a group where people just go to hang out and post nerd memes and articles and talk about nerd stuff they've done and seen. And we are also on the horrifying and yet fascinating um, train crash that they call Twitter. And, And manning that train crash is... Uh, Gene, Gene, the engineer machine, engineer Gene. Gene, Gene. 
chugga 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 yeah okay <laughs> but that's where they can find me where can we find you hope I'm actually writing Charles out we compared him to a starting hat <laughs> Jesus sit, Christ you're gonna want to sit through the feedback of episode 7 of Andor just FYI <laughs> We chat about you and Oh my god, you're like a you're like a YouTube thumbnail. You're like, Charles, you would not believe what Hope and Chris were <laughs> saying about you at the end of J Guys and Jedi. Fine, I'm gonna no, I haven't seen it yet. We chat about you and your very insightful feedback. Alright, alright. There now, we go, Seth. Now the snake has eaten its tail. <laughs> He's going to listen to this episode and be like, you fucking sent this to me two weeks ago. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm hey. listening to the episode where and reading the email where you're emailing me the email. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he said that he was hoping that would happen. All right. Well, next week it's off to prison. <laughs> well, Charles. This is the whole... Not for Charles. <laughs> huh? Yes. Anyway, you can find me and Charles on For Light and Dice. Uh, we actually play a tabletop game together with a bunch of really cool people. Um, and we play cool characters. It's set in Star Wars. We really roll dice and we do really awesome things. Um, and we're going on adventures and you should listen to it because it's, really it's a really fun project that I'm super proud of. I, I love everybody in this cast. I love our group. We have some really great fans. We just started a Discord channel for our fans. Um, and it's amazing. Like people like McKins and Jean are part of our discord. They like jumped in like day, like five minutes after I made it. And it was so awesome. Um, so thank you guys for listening to that. Um, I also write, uh, at wealth of geeks and dork side of the fourth force. And, uh, what's the other one? Geeky waffle. And you can also see me on the geeky waffle YouTube, uh, YouTube channel as well. Hey, go check out the geeky waffle YouTube channel. Cause we're really close to monetizing and go watch our videos. That'd be really great. Um, and subscribe to us if you haven't. And finally, you can find me at Jacobs and Jedi on Twitter and at Hope Molinax. I did that backwards. <laughs> I did hey. that backwards. That's fine. Switch things uh, up. Yeah, yeah, and, it's good. Keep it's them good. guessing. Um, and yeah. All right, guys, come back. You know, I woke up over the course of the podcast. I came into this very tired, and I woke up over the course of the podcast. I'm kind of like jonesing now. All um, right. Time so to go to bed come now. back Time next week. I'm to try to week. go to bed now. <laughs> well, you go to bed. I actually, I'm as soon as we, t I, I, as I get off Skype with you, I'm just gonna be like, "Fuck it, God!" And I'm gonna lay down and pass <laughs> out. So it's fine. I just got that second wind. All right, guys, come back next week. We're gonna be talking about uh, Narkina Five. Gonna have some Andy Circus. We're gonna see Melshi. Melshi is back, baby. We just got Melshi, number one Everybody Rogue One character Melshi. that nobody remembers. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. All right, children, the lights are out and the party's over. It's time for me, Dr. D, to start running and say goodbye for a little while. And I know you're going to miss me, so I'll leave you with this. You know that big ball of radiation we call the sun? It'll burst you into flames if you stay in one place too long. That is if the static don't get you first. So remember, even if you're dusted, you may be gone. But out here in the desert, your shadow lives on without you. This is Dr. Death Defying, signing off.